I started cracking up when the old lady's like riding the horse. <laughs> I was dying. And that was so funny. I She's just like hopping it. around on the floor on the horse. I honestly thought she died. Like they fooled me. <laughs> they fooled me. Welcome back to another episode of the Butterless Popcorn Podcast. Adam, today we're talking about, you know, I we're talking about a movie that you've been telling me to watch for a very long time and I you probably check in on me at least 3 times a year mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, have you seen that movie yet?" And I'm always like, eh, nope, I haven't seen it." And you're like, "You got to see it." Man on the Moon, Jim Carrey, 1999. The story about the life and career of entertainer Andy Kaufman. Adam, kick us off. Well, I guess, first of all, did you watch it? Spoiler alert, yes. Okay, thank I God. Watched, all right. I watched it. This is, a mo- it. this is a momentous moment here. This is huge because I've been this is. asking you for years, like you said. But, you know, it's kind of funny because we've built it up over the past, what is it, 10 years, maybe? Um so it's a 1990 film, 1999 film, but I probably brought it up to you, you know, at least like seven, eight years ago, right? But, um, you know, we've built it up to be this like unbelievable, like one of my favorite movies. But to be honest with you, I think this was the first time a couple hours ago that I've seen it all the way through. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> I think, I really? think I watched it, um, you know, my brother had it on probably years ago, and I watched like 80% <laughs> of it, and I was like, hey, Brett, this is, you know, a pretty good movie. You should watch it. Um, and it snowballed from there into, Adam, I know this is one of your favorite movies of all time. Yeah. <laughs> I've been under the assumption for like 15 years that this has been one of your favorite well, It's one of those things where you keep thinking about the movie and you keep like replaying it in your head and telling the story and you're like, oh shit, yeah, no, that was an awesome movie. And then I realized like, I don't know if I've seen all of it. Um, but it's, it but was, now you have. Yeah, now I have. And yeah, no, it's an incredible movie. So it, it follows, like you said, the life of, of Andy Kaufman, who, you know, if you're not familiar with Andy Kaufman, he's one of the strangest characters in show business, you know, in the last 30, 40, well, really 50 now, geez, 50 50 50 years. Um, You know, a guy that, you know, we won't get too much into his story, but a guy who's like always on, you know, he was kind of always acting. It seemed like, and it, it, it seemed even people close to him were having trouble really connecting to him. And so Jim Carrey steps into this role and does a magnificent job, really, in my opinion. But uh, it takes you through really the entire life of of Andy Kaufman and how he battles with himself, but also um, what's considered normal in the world. And so it's an exciting film. It's an uncomfortable film, but I'm, I'm just glad we're talking about it. I'm glad you finally saw it. It was great. I... I... I'm going to be honest from, from the very first scene, I was, I was hooked. Uh, you know, when we get into favorite scene, I'll talk about it more, but like that, that opening scene is so weird mm-hmm. and you're like, what is, what is this? This is, this is different. Uh, and, but it's Jim Carrey and he just instantly reels you in and he is, Jim Carrey was absolutely spectacular. And I, 
you know, I had known about Andy Kaufman. Like he's a, you know, he's a pretty big name. He, you know, unfortunately died at age 35, which is insane. Um, you know, he passed away before we were even born, but like, you know, he's kind of almost like methodical in a way because, you know, almost like has a, like Bruce Lee, like a similar type of aura where like he died tragically so young, but what he did with his time, he was just, nothing was ever like him, Yeah, you know? So kind of has that like similar aura. So like, I, you know, I've always known about Andy Kaufman. Um, like I knew who he was. I never knew too much about him. Um, but I mean, after seeing this movie and then doing a little bit of like just outside Andy Kaufman research, what an unbelievable job by Jim Carrey. Like the mannerisms, the facial expressions, oh, the way he talked, the hairstyle. I mean, it's just like, well, the hairstyle credit to the makeup team, but like makeup and hair team, but like Jim Carrey, unbelievable performance. Um, and so the Truman show came out the year before this in 98 and uh, Jim Carrey won back-to-back Golden Globes for the best actor, but wasn't nominated for an Oscar in any of those years. How many times? What is that? How many times do we talk about like, who, what are these Oscars, man? What is the scrubs of an Academy here that not not nominating him? I don't know, and I mean, so I had it written down. So this, so for the 2000 Academy Awards, Kevin Spacey. One for American Beauty, and and that was a terrific performance. And other nominees were Russell Crowe for The Insider, uh, Richard Farnsworth for The Straight Story. I've never seen that. Sean Penn for Sweet and Lowdown, and then Denzel Washington for The Hurricane, which I love that movie. But I, it's just weird. It's like a, you know, oftentimes, and it's been like this for a long time. The Golden Globes are you know, they're almost like a, a precursor for the Oscars. Right. Um, some they got it out for Jim Carrey. Yeah, I, you know, and sometimes it's always a discussion, I feel like, whenever there are roles that are, you know, portrayed of someone and, and based off a real character, uh, or sorry, a real person, some people in the Academy maybe take some legitimacy out of it then and, and may not respect the role. Other people probably think that it's, you know, such a job well done to really emulate that kind of character, but um a really good job and i i want to go back to that bruce lee comment you made because i think it's spot on you know both both bruce lee and andy kaufman had this idea of what they wanted to be and what they wanted to do and it maybe i don't know maybe seems selfish in a way like they had their own path that, you know that they wanted to carve out but um they were game changers in in the industry which is truly fascinating and we'll, we'll get to the legacy obviously later on but um no but going back to jim carrey you know we've we've thrown a lot of shade his way on on this podcast in prior episodes but you know well deserved for for everything that he did um in this role here to get that golden globe but then you know outside of him this cast is pretty damn good i mean you've got danny devito um courtney love which i didn't realize it was courtney love She's good in this. Um, she's great. And then uh, Paul Giamatti. I love Paul. I love Paulie G. I've, I've never him. said Paul Giamatti without laughing. It's I don't I don't know why, um, but I can't. And so, but he's, Giamatti. Yeah, he's, it's he's, like what I think of when I think of Paul Giamatti. He's great though. He's great. No, he's really good. He's really good. Yeah. So I mean, a, a plus work from the cast. Um, 
And, you know, I don't think we've, we've mentioned the director much, but, you know, Milos Foreman, who uh, has had a, you know, pretty big success prior to this movie. We'll talk about that a bit later. But, you know, to take this life of Andy Kaufman and make it so real for even people like us who, who never even saw him was truly special. Yeah, 100%. And even though, you know, I'm... Jim Carrey has had such a massive career. I'm not sure if people associate this role with him necessarily, but um, it has become one of his more famous ones, even to the point when uh, a couple of years back there was, I don't even remember if it was on Netflix or something else, but there was a documentary made about uh, Jim Carrey and his, him being the character, Andy Kaufman, I think it was called Jim and Andy, the great beyond. And it was just about like his performance as Andy Kaufman in the film, and uh, you know, there was a lot of there's a lot of details that came out saying like you know he Jim Carrey really took on a method acting role during the creation of this movie. Uh, Jim Carrey, aka Robert De Niro, uh, you know, so like that really the documentary touches on that. I haven't seen it, but after watching this movie, I am really fascinated with seeing that. Um, yeah, I mean the, the the cast is really good, as you said. Danny DeVito is 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 just a he's just like a what's the word I'm looking for? He's like a you know like it's a it, it, fucking if the badass. weather's really if the weather <laughs> I was gonna say if like the weather's really hot he's just like a cold beverage in the okay. movie he's just like because you know Jim Carrey is really intense in this movie and Danny DeVito is really good and he's kind of like he brings like a, a sensitivity to George Shapiro. But every scene he's in, like, you know, you laugh a little bit like it's not as intense because it's like, you know, he's one of the few people who who Andy can kind of be himself around in the movie. So I don't know. I just think Danny DeVito really does a, a fantastic job as as George Shapiro, 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 Shapiro. Shapiro. Yeah. Shapiro. You're thinking um, of Moneyball. I'm, I'm thinking Moneyball. Yeah. <laughs> Give me Shapiro on three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shapiro. Um, yeah. And a splendid job by Danny DeVito. And then. Yeah, um, it's all just really well done. Uh, but Jim Carrey is, I mean, okay, we'll get to this way later, but astounding Jim Carrey performance. No, yeah, it, just one last point I have on Jim Carrey is I've watched clips of Andy Kaufman on YouTube. Yeah. And I, I almost struggle to to see the difference. There's a, there's a clip of Andy Kaufman. I believe he's on Letterman, just like, you know, just like in the film. And it's it's identical. It's uncan. It's crazy. How? Was that the was that the Johnny Carson one where he does the Elvis thing? No, I haven't seen that, but that's that's good too. Um, oh, uh, it's another Letterman one. It was yeah, but it was it, it's crazy how identical he is. And you know, you wouldn't think of Jim Carrey as a method actor, but I mean, the 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 performance that he laid out here, I'm. I'm fired up about. It. I'm so glad we can give him credit here. No, 100%. And I we should have added this as a as an extra category of like where does this rank on the best um like biographical films? Uh That's a good point. I don't I don't I mean it's got to be up there. Like off the top of my head, I don't know. Like uh, yes, I'm biased, but like Robert De Niro as Jake LaMotta and Raging Bull, like you got um Chadwick Boseman, 42, and Jackie Robinson. That movie's okay. He was good, but that movie's 
Okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't know off the top of my head. I don't know, but like this is. I mean, it's so good. Yeah. Just like him being Andy Kaufman. Spot on. He's spectacular. Spot so on. I got. I, we're. Just, I'm just kind of rambling right now. Do, you, do you, anything else to add before we dive in? No, let's do it. All right. Cool. All right, Adam. We are talking Man on the Moon. What are your favorite scenes and your ultimate favorite scene? So the first one, and and you mentioned this in your opening remarks, but the opening credits, or I could call them closing credits. I, I yeah. don't know what we call them, but really awesome, like eye-catching scene. So you said it best, like you're hooked right away. Um, Andy Kaufman comes on and... He's acting strange, telling you that it's it, he's being so direct with you and he's being, you know, he does that like anti-comedy type of yeah. comedy. And right away, you know that it's going to be just a weird, uncomfortable movie. And so it sets the stage perfectly. So I have that one. I, that one's great. Yeah, I, I feel the same exact way. And like it's black and white, which is cool. And then when the, like the credits start to roll, you're like, what is happening right now? Uh, but it, but it's that it's, it, yeah, it's, it's that bizarreness of it that just like really hooked me in. And, um, yeah, I, I love that scene too. Fast forwarding. I have another one when, um, so there's a lot of scenes of George Shapiro in the comedy clubs. And I yeah. always like every time they go to him because that's the one time you feel this like heartwarming experience because he's got like this joy in him and you can feel it. Right. And I love that about Danny DeVito too. But the one specifically is when George Shapiro goes to see Tony Clifton <laughs> and he realizes it's Andy and he's like, oh my like, motherfucker. <laughs> <It's a good laughs> um, and then I got a couple more Tony Clifton ones. So Tony Clifton purposely bombing uh the taxi performance oh man and he just goes nuts and then shapiro does an unbelievable job spinning it and calling andy up to talk about it um in front of the in front of the producer or whatever which is great um i also like tony clifton performing at harrah's and then andy comes out to play the bongo drum and you're like wait what 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 is going on there, there's some, there's some like twists in this movie. There's like <laughs> probably three of them. Pretty nuts. That's one of them. It's it, yeah. I mean, it keeps. It's like everyone was guessing at the time, and you're also guessing as as a viewer of the movie, which is which right. is really great. It's very cool. Uh, the wrestling scene. So yeah. you know the main one in in the ring. I love that. Uh, the scene when Andy tells everyone he has cancer is super heavy. It's super heavy, but it's such a change yeah. of pace. And again, you're uncomfortable because you're unsure on the validity of it. But um, it's it's fantastic. Um, two more. Carnegie Hall. That's such a heartwarming scene. It's It's essentially everything that he wanted. And, you know, he gives the milk and cookies at the end. And I love that transition into there. Yeah. Uh, and then switching gears, the last one I have is the funeral. Because the funeral is, like, overwhelmingly emotional. And it's just his video up there playing. And just super powerful moment. But if I had to go with a winner, I would go with the Carnegie Hall. That's when you see the biggest transformation from, you know, negativity to positivity. 
and he really showcases it in one night and and i love that about uh the andy kaufman story couldn't agree more <laughs> um no I, I really couldn't agree more those were all really great uh i the only one so i had i had two on here that you didn't list oh no i yeah, I had two on here that you didn't list. Um, so Andy's first uh, performance where Shapiro sees him when he does the Elvis and uh, Latka impression mm-hmm. in front of that crowd at the bar, that that's a great one because you kind of see the skill that he actually has. Um, and then uh, DeVito sees him backstage and he's still he's keeping up the Lithuanian accent which is really funny. <laughs> so I really like that one. And then I also really like Andy's first Saturday Night Live performance when because in the scene before the meditation guy Andy's like Andy asks him, "What's the key to being funny?" and the guy's like, "Silence." Because he wants him to shut up. But then Andy takes that so literally at SNL he's just standing there not doing anything, but then he like throws in some like lip syncing and weird dancing <laughs> and the crowd loves it and that's just a really funny scene um but other than that though basically all the same as you and my favorite scene was also carnegie hall it's just it's awesome i started cracking up when the old lady's like riding the horse (laughs) i was dying and that was so funny she's just like hopping around on the floor on the horse i honestly thought she died like they fooled me (laughs) they fooled me that's such like a spot on note that you just made that you know, they're like Andy is not only fooling the like the people, the crowds in the movie, but he's fooling us. Like we're part of that crowd too, right? Um, and like I thought she was dead. So like that's a great, that's an awesome scene. And then as you said, ending with the milk and cookies and the transition. So yeah, that that that's it for me too. Such a feel good moment there. Um, all right, Brett, here we go. And I, you know, you could really answer anything for this and anything goes, especially in a movie like this, but anything goes. take one scene and make it into a musical. So I picked when Andy and uh, Shapiro are having dinner after Shapiro sees him at the bar with the booger. Uh, yeah, with the booger. <laughs> and then like you see how like OCD Andy is with like separating all the food on his plate and everything. So they're having dinner for the first time, and uh, Andy, you know, like in the movie, he spills his dreams to George and his vision for himself where he sees him going as an entertainer. Uh, So he goes, I want to be the greatest showman ever seen. I don't make jokes, but give me a chance. I think of myself as a guy who likes to sing and dance. So he gets up in the restaurant. And he begins dancing around like the like a total goofball that he is. And he's like singing some weird stuff. And everyone at the restaurant is staring like, what the hell is this guy doing? Except Shapiro loves it. He's cracking up. He, he can't believe he's found such a diamond in the rough in Andy. And so then Andy starts speeding up the, the music. And he goes, Andy, Andy Kaufman, that is my name. I make my own style. Knock, knock jokes are lame. It's easy for me, like the flick of my wrist. Just wait until you see me as a ventriloquist. Nice. And then George George is in total awe as he watches Andy make a fool of himself in this restaurant. But, you know, we're just kind of like looking at George right now. And he imagines their bright future working together. And as Andy's finishing, George is just sitting there like loving it. And then close curtain scene. (laughs) 
it's it's funny because like you could totally insert that into the movie and i'd be like yeah andy caught andy being andy baby andy being andy yeah so i i like that one though because it's i i find that there's a trend with my my musical picks i usually pick scenes where it's like the main character is describing like what their journey in the movie is gonna be or something like that so i thought that was a good one it's really funny that you say that because uh buckle up for mine here Yes, I, I took a page out of the Brett notebook a little bit, but yes, um, the scene I took was the first wrestling scene. Uh, what he was on what Marv <laughs> was, um, I think like the show. Um, the oh, I forget <laughs> that is a really funny scene. Yeah, and um, basically the way it starts out is like he's kind of you know doing his his walk around, yeah, and he's trying to rile up the the audience a little bit. Um, but he's like, which one of you has the guts to get abused? And then there's a volunteer that comes down and he's just like hurling insults and she just beats the crap out of him. So he's like, you should be doing the dishes. Pow. Can you wash my clothes? Smack. Mop the floors. Clunk. And he just gets the crap, like just the shit kicked out of him. And then just that goes on for... I don't know, like a minute. And then it ends off with, that can't be all you got. I'll drop you so soon because you know I'm the man on the moon. (laughs) Curtains closed. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, baby. Yes. Yes. I love it. It makes no sense. You know I'm a sucker when you you use the title. I just wanted to get the title in there. (laughs) Yes. I, you know, I didn't even think about using it for this time. It didn't even cross my mind for once, but I'm pumped that you used uh, it. Someone Hell had to do yeah. it. Someone had to do it. Yeah, baby. I'm giving, <laughs> I'm giving you the W for the musical category because that was awesome. Oh, I love it. I love that. Um, Adam, so this – I wouldn't necessarily call Man on the Moon a, a very quotable movie, uh, but there, but there are some good lines in it, some memorable ones. So what do you have? Give me your list. Uh, in the beginning, when he's trying to, um, you know, he's getting kicked off the stage, and the uh, the owner goes, "Why did the Siamese twins go to England so the other one could drive? Why doesn't the other one just learn how to drive?" <laughs> Love that. <laughs> You're insane, but you might you might also be brilliant. She's really telling George Shapiro says that says that. What are you talking about? Andy comes here every weekend. <laughs> the whorehouse. It's a big day. It's my buddy's first time with a prostitute. <laughs> yeah. Bullshit, bullshit. My line. Bullshit, bullshit. My line. <laughs> um, Andy goes, what do you say? Um, and then, is this for real? And I think that, like, is this for real? Which she says, like, a few times. Um, just like questioning whether Andy is, is being legitimate or not. Those, those really get me. Um, the next one is similar to you don't know the real me. There isn't a real you. And he's like, Oh yeah, I forgot. (laughs) Um, Oh, you could say, Hey Santa, what am I getting for Christmas this year? And he says, cancer. Oh no, 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 that's probably not a, (laughs) (laughs) no one is really funny. Um, and the last one, 
And this has always been the one that stuck in my head throughout all of these years I've been talking about this movie, but it's my favorite. French fries and a porterhouse steak. <laughs> Why does that one stick out to you? It's probably like one of the scenes that like when I wasn't paying attention and I paid attention, <laughs> it was just, what do you say? We've got some real food. <laughs> I love it. French fries and a porterhouse steak. I used to say it all the time. That is really funny. That's your winner. That's my winner. That's really funny. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I have a few you didn't have, so I'll name them. Um, I think he's from Lithuania <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I have the uh, the You're Insane, You Might Also Be Brilliant. Uh, and I really love that one because you know, a lot of the times people who are comedic geniuses or, or geniuses in any sort of way um, – maybe a little insane sometimes too yeah like so there's you know gotta have a little insanity to be brilliant and vice versa so i love that one uh had the prostitute one that's really good with bob leading that in um have with lynn so you just pretend to be an asshole it's what i'm good at it's a great one too mm-hmm. uh I, from the um uh, i think i'm merging two wrestling scenes here and this doesn't sound great of me but like Andy's whole like misogynistic persona when he's doing the wrestling gig. There's a couple quotes in there that I just started laughing. Like when he's like, shut up, be quiet when a man is talking (laughs) or when he goes, uh, go back to the kitchen where you belong before you get hurt. Is that what he says before you get hurt? I never noticed. Yeah. He says that. So that was, that was funny. Um, and then, uh, would anyone like to pay a dollar to touch my cyst? (laughs) A woman touches it and it's so gross. Oh, it's nasty. It's so gross. Uh, and then my my winner um, is actually from uh, Shapiro when he says, you have to look inside and ask this question. Who are you trying to entertain, the audience or yourself? Really like that one because the whole movie, Andy doesn't care about the audience. He cares. He just wants to do what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. No, that's. I think that's like the, the one time really he's put in his place. And yeah. Shapiro lays it on him. It's, it's it's pretty powerful there. Yeah, I love that one. Uh, some great quotes there. So let's move to the camera. Give me the best shots. I think there's I think there's quite a few in here. What do you have? So I I only have two. Uh, so I'm intrigued to hear what you have. So uh, my first one is uh, so it's in the opening scene of the movie. Uh, just kind of like the way. He's set up. It's so it's it, it's just like an ongoing moving shot, but it's got like the pure black background, the opaque black background, and then Andy is like a gray figure, um, and then like I guess when the credits roll on too, and then I forget exactly what happens. Like the credits roll, and then they like start going in reverse yeah, too. Yeah, like stops I, them, moves them up, I, and then yeah. yeah. I think the camera work in that scene is is really well done, and it's really bizarre and 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 eye popping. So I have that, and uh, I also had and this one was kind of fun. So in the montage of his wrestling saga, uh, there's like a quick so it's like shows like you know he's doing this for a while and he's wrestling like tons of different women, and then the shot that I really like though it like has a close up of like a woman's face and then Andy like you know like. Andy's face like goes in front and then when he goes to the other side it's like a different woman's face. Do you yep, know what I you yep. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So uh that was my second one. 
And those, so those are my two, but I'm going with with the with the opening scene. I just think the camera work there is is really great. Yeah, I think it's money. I think it contributes to all of the craziness that that you're about to see. Um, I like how they kind of sync it up with the music too, like the camera work, because he's yeah. he's kind of like stopping the record and then the credits go up, so it's it's really good. The second one that you had there, that was actually my first one, was oh, nice. um, the the montage and the in the wrestling scene. I love that. I thought I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and then I have two others. So the, well, actually, no, I have three others. So anytime really he's on stage, there's an interesting camera view. And I think particularly the Saturday Night Live, because the cameras, um, I don't want to call it like bird's eye, but it's placed high. And like, there's some views where it's kind of looking down on him. And um, it's similar to like the angle that his parents were watching him when they were up high. Um, oh, so I think they just kind of like I put like the spotlight that. on him a little bit. I really like it. You know, it kind of makes it all about him. Yeah. Um, I really like when Andy is laying in bed after he got booted from the retreat. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just laying and the covers are like all the way up to his chin. And, you know, that's when you kind of see like some element of depression and self doubt in there. And that's when Lynn walks in and kind of gives him a little bit of a pep talk. But uh, I really like that camera shot. And then I also really like when the camera is looking down at Andy when he's getting the healing crystals. And they're just like covered all over him. And it's just a really, it's a really interesting shot. And then actually now that I'm talking about, there's another shot too when he's in the Philippines. And that doctor has like that fake, you know, whatever he's holding like organ or whatever or intestine whatnot um but the shot of just like straight down in andy's face he's laughing and uh jim carrey does that one really well too but my winner is gonna be when he's laying in bed after the retreat or after he got booted from the retreat nice that's a good one and i actually didn't think about that but i'll probably add that to mine too what you just said at the end when he's in the philippines and it shows his face and he's laying there and then it sadly transitions to like his face laying in the coffin. Right. So I think that's a really good shot too. So good camera work in this movie. Uh, so moving on, uh, Adam, did you find this movie smelly, gassy, farty at all? I had like one little toot, you know, Me too. just a little like, it wasn't, wasn't much there. You know, it's like you, you're like trying to fart. And you're not sure if like maybe a little poop's gonna come out, but it's just a little high pitched like, boop, you know? Boop. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kind of what this movie is. That's yeah. that's what I got. Um, so the one I have is he's reading the Gate Great Gatsby. Why did all of those people stay for the entire book? Like there were well, most people left, no, but, but there, there was, was still like, like a 20, good 25 people, stayed, people yeah. still there. Like, <laughs> what were they expecting? And then they leave right after. Like, what were you expecting? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, that probably took hours. In a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> Got a feel for him there. That, that was a rough scene to watch. No, that was. Is that your only fart? That's it. So that's my winner. All right. So uh, so my farts kind of, like, technically have two, but it's kind of one. So I'll start off with the smaller one. Um, so I know he goes to the Philippines to because he says to, like, this think he says to find a cure or something. Yeah, like but a like, miracle or something. Yeah. Or I say, say he says to find a miracle. 
But we don't actually know what the hell is happening when he lays down on that table and the doctor has that weird thing that he's working with and he just like rubs Andy's stomach or something. Like we don't, we don't know what the hell is happening. And I guess that's like part of the movie, I guess. Like, or like you're not supposed to really know what's happening, but there's just not a lot of context around that. And I'm just like, why is he in the Philippines? Like, what is he doing? See, I, I kind of liked it because, um, that was Andy, really. It was like this guy was kind of the doctor was somewhat, you know, he was putting on a show, really, more than anything. Sure. You know, and it's like he was kind of full of shit. Like he just pretending to pull out some intestines, maybe, or some shit. Right. And make it seem like, right. it, you know, it's and do- that, that's Andy. Right. No, that's a good point. I actually didn't think about that. Uh, so my second one, though, and this is like kind of a, you know, the overarching one. I think this movie is like 20 to 22, three minutes too long. (laughs) Okay. Like, I think, like, I think it could end after the milk and cookies scene when it's like, it shows how happy and excited he is. It shows his face in that scene. And then it kind of like has like a little fizzle out transition. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. I think it could totally end there. And then have like a little, um, a little prologue, like just text on the screen that says like Andy Kaufman, blah, blah, blah. Like he died at age 35 from, from lung cancer. Like, and at this point we knew he had cancer already. So like that part of the movie was already brought in, which was really important to have. But I just thought like, I don't know. I felt like everything after that, like I didn't find the Philippines scene very important. Um, I, don't know, I just felt like after that milk and cookie scene, it like kind of drags a little bit. Yeah. I mean, if you think about like character arc, that's where the arc you thought came to a close, right? Cause he's, he's turned his negativity into positivity and it's acceptance of his life ending, um, with the milk and cookie scene. So I, I totally right. get it. Um, cause the rest of it afterwards, after that scene, the rest of it is, is just like really upsetting and sad. And it's just like him being sick and eventually dying. Like that's the rest of the movie yeah so yeah no I mean, that's that's fair i think um so i i mean i i tend to enjoy the last like 20 30 minutes but i did what when i was dark you dark human <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I didn't i wasn't having fun but like <laughs> um but no i did have that thought cross my mind as well though like after the milk and cookies i'm like oh what a nice way to end it, <laughs> and then it i know <laughs> right yeah actually wait i was gonna ask i had a question Oh, fuck it. I'll just ask now because we're talking about the end of the movie. So the so the last scene where it's uh, where Lynn and Shapiro are at the club and then, uh, you know, Ted uh, Ted Clifton comes out. Is it Ted Clifton? Tony yeah, Clifton. Right? Tony. Cl- God damn. Tony Clifton comes out and you think it, you, you're supposed to think that it's Bob. Right. And it's not Bob because it shows Bob in the back. Is that just is that just supposed to be like, you know, Andy's had such a major influence that now there's just people impersonating Tony Clifton all the time, right? That, that kind of like an Elvis impersonator. Kind of like a similar concept. Yeah, that was my take on it. But again, yeah, I'm with you. I wasn't like entirely clear. And you know, I think it was maybe a combination of the impersonation, or it could have been also like Andy wants to kind of live on and Bob wants to, you know, have Tony live on and and you know it's part of the legacy there. So, but yeah, I don't I don't know if that was entirely clear to me either. Yeah. So I don't know. The final like twenty ish minutes, 
little jumbled for me and not totally needed, but that that's really my only fart. That's fair. Okay, so you know, little bit of gas, but let's uh, yeah, let's take a little bit time to digest. Maybe uh, eat a little bit more, get some more in us, and uh, come back for our chew, next segment. Chew your food. <laughs> this episode of Butterless Popcorn is brought to you by Stair Friends, the best companion you can have for a fixed price. In a world where it's nearly impossible to unplug from our phones and laptops, especially during the ongoing pandemic, looking outside your window with a cup of coffee in hand is the perfect opportunity to breathe and relax. And what better way to unwind and look outside than with a companion? With Stair Friends, you can select the gender, race, sexual orientation, and even IQ level of the person who will come to your home and stare outside your window with you for only $6 a minute. That's $6 a minute! So whether it's snowing, hailing, or the sun is shining bright, put down your electronics and get a view of the great outdoors every once in a while with your new Stair Friend. Call 1-800-780-STAIR to get your free trial started. That's 1-800-780-STAIR. Terms and conditions may apply. Now back to the episode. Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn. We are talking Man on the Moon, the movie that Brett finally watched after me telling him for about 15 years. So glad we got that out of the way. Um, Let's go on to our next segment here. And we'll probably have some of the same answers. But Brett, who's the biggest asshole in this film? So I, I've, I feel like I've done this the last couple episodes we've launched. I tried really hard to think of someone else besides Andy Kaufman. <laughs> I really did. I really did could because I feel like I've been naming the main characters of the movie as the asshole very recently. But it's so fair. I tried, they're, they're assholes. I, try, <laughs> I tried really hard to think of someone else besides Andy, but I couldn't. Like, Andy is the... Is, like. You know, he's got good intentions, but he is so me, like my way, everything I want all the time, like nothing else is going to change that. And it's so intense. Um, he's, he's he's an asshole. Like he he's is. not that nice of a person, really, even though he has good intentions like his. He's so driven to like do what he wants to do that that kind of just takes over everything else. Um so, I mean, I went Andy and I really didn't have any other nominees because like everyone else is kind of, everyone else in a way is like very yielding to his demands in the whole movie. So it's true. I went him. I went him. I, that's fair. I mean, I, I also have Andy. I have two other nominees. Okay. Um, let's hear him. Yeah. I want to know. One of them is Tony Clifton. So does that, does that, <laughs> so. Wait, is that, is that fair? Does that count? <laughs> I, I don't know. Because Tony Clifton's a fucking douchebag. <laughs> I know, he's an asshole. Does that count? I guess that counts, right? I mean, even though it's Andy. Is it? <laughs> That's true. Well, I guess I guess sometimes it's Bob. At the end of the movie, it's some it's random someone. person. Yeah, but Tony and Clifton every time, is Tony always Clifton, an asshole. Right. I, I should have thought of that. That's really good. Okay, Tony Clifton. Um, and then the only other one is the guy that makes his wife touch Andy's cyst. He's like, <laughs> he's like, go, he doesn't, go. Does he make her? He's like nudging her. He's like, go, go touch it. Go, go, go. <laughs> and then he goes up to give her the cash. Her the cash. <laughs> I was just watching. I was like, that guy's a dick. Shut up, dude. But uh, no, I mean, it's Tony Clifton's close, but you got to go Andy Kaufman here. Yeah, uh, and it's it's, yeah, it's not relatively close, but wow, 
So I guess Tony Clifton counts. Yeah. You're right, because it's not always Andy. But the Tony Clifton character is a dick. Always. Yeah, that's <laughs> that, that's really good. I like that. Um, moving on, Adam. If Man on the Moon had another protagonist, if it was placed in the eyes of another character, who would that character be and how would the plot unfold? I'm going with George Shapiro. And oh, me too. Okay. No, you took him too. Oh, I did it again. I did again. <laughs> you know, we had this streak where we were taking the same character for a while, and then we like yeah, moved away from it for like five or ten episodes, and now we're back to it. <laughs> now we're back. It's okay. Um, it's okay. I'm sure. I'm sure our stories. Yeah, they're going to be pretty. I mean, <laughs> all I did was just write how it unfolded. So I just, you know, George has represented a few big names in show business before, but he's looking for something different. Uh. <laughs> How much is this already? Yada, 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 yada. I'm just kidding. Keep going. He doesn't want that typical comedian or actor. George goes to a local comedy club. Sees that we got to we got to change this up somehow, dude. We gotta... <laughs> uh, you know, he sees this insanely strange man, Andy Kaufman. Uh, and right away, he knows that's his guy. Um, George spends the next chunk of his career trying to steer Andy in the right direction, which he realizes is a, an impossible feat, but he decides to embark on the journey anyway in some of the most memorable experiences of his life. I mean, that's great, but like, I have something <laughs> almost identical. Would you like um, me to just read it again? And then <laughs> <laughs> here, here's mine. Uh, different words, but kind of the same <laughs> okay. gist. So, you know, George Shapiro, the comedy scene in the in the 70s has been such a dump. There's no original talent. Everyone is trying to mock George Carlin or Richard Pryor. Nothing original. And he is just sick of it. He wants to quit the business. One night, he's so sick of the same old shit, he goes to a crappy dive bar in town and he wants to drown himself in some scotch. Unintentionally, though, at that club, it's open mic night. And... George spits at one act after the next, but then spots this Andy Kaufman guy who completely baffles him. The act was so weird that George doesn't know if he loved it or if he hated it, but he knew that he needed to know more about this Andy guy, that he was intrigued. So Andy, George realizes if he can track him down, find him and get him on board, might be the key to keeping George in this business and might be the key to changing the comedy game as we know it. Those were a lot better words. I liked your it's words better. It's, it's the, the same, same movie, but it's the same, I... <laughs> same thing. Um, all right. Well, hopefully we start to maybe switch things up a little bit here. But Brett, which actor or actress would you like to see replace one of the stars in this movie? All right. Don't hate me. Don't. Actually, you're not going to hate this by any means. But it's. I feel like this guy's name has come up on our last couple of podcasts oh, and no. I'm not just, I'm not just using him as, I'm not just using him as a cop out, but like I, I legitimately think this guy could be good. Replacing Danny DeVito as George Shapiro, Joe Pesci. Oh, I thought you were going to say Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. It's not Ben Affleck. Uh, it is not Baffleck. It's okay, Joe Pesci. Okay. Joe Pesci. Yeah. I just like, so one, he, you know, Danny DeVito is really short. Joe Pesci is pretty short. So like you kind of in your mind just like associate that together. But 
George Shapiro in this movie has like a, uh, you know, Andy, listen, we got to get this deal done. You will never get an opportunity like this ever again in your life. You know, something like that. And I could see Joe Pesci kind of acting like that, you know, and not like not his usual like Goodfellas aggressive, like I'm gonna shoot you in the fucking face if you don't do that right. Yeah. More like um, how he is in Home Alone, where he's still kind of like intimidating, has that like kind of swag to him, I guess swag. Mm-hmm. But like he's a little more has you know is a little more passive at times. So I could totally see him see him like in that scene when George offers Andy the role on Taxi, right? And he's like, "You're never gonna get this chance again." He could, you know, Pesci something be like, listen, Joey, you're never going to get it again. So you got to just do it. You do it and you're going to get it. Because if you don't, you're never going to get this chance again. He might throw some F-bombs in there, too. Uh, I could just see him as like the sh- like the short, you know, he- he's a short guy. He's got a lot. He's just like a ball of energy, really passionate about his client. Um, I, j- I just see it working. Yeah, I think I- he'd be good at like. He's good at like being influential and steering people in the right direction, whether it's by yeah. force or just by like reason. And I think I think that could layer on. I really love that Joe Pesci impersonation, by the way. I think. Uh, oh wow, I didn't think it was anything special, but thank you. No, it's. I mean, it's good. It evolved. It started off as Christopher Walken. What? <laughs> he had like a what? raspy, like Andy, <laughs> like I didn't start it like that. Yeah, you- but yeah, it's like when he yells. It evolved. Into Joe Pesci. <laughs> Christopher Walken yells. You know, he's like, your mother. <laughs> okay. uh, I think I think that's turning into our new Jim Carrey reference. We is. now reference Christopher Walken doing Jack Sr. in Catch Me If You Can. Absolutely. So, um, who do you have here, Adam? No, I really like that. So for me, I have replacing Paul Giamatti um, as Bob. I have Chris Elliott who's he's the guy in something about Mary and he's yes. in Groundhog Day. He's also a Shit's Creek. I don't know if you're a Shit's Creek fan or not, but I've seen I've seen a bunch of Shit's Creek. I'm not a massive fan, but I, I've seen a lot of it. He's uh he's just an ultimate goof and a complete that wild card and he's really good at like feeding off others energy or like playing off other ridiculous characters. Um and so I think that, that would be true. I think that would be a really fun role for him. He's woogie and there's something about Mary. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. That that is I like that. He's really good. Yeah, he is, brings a lot of energy to like most things. Yeah. The only thing is like Bob is a bit more like tame to Andy, you know, who's who's full of energy. But I think they would just play off each other pretty fun. Yeah, so. just a huge goof. Just like a huge goof. Huge. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Works. Love it. Uh, so Adam, um, this this one might not go over so well. This next question: um, Would Man on the Moon be better or worse with James Earl Jones in it, or should I say, <clears throat> excuse me, would would Man would Man on the Moon be better or worse with James Earl Jones in it? Tell you what, come on over, talk baseball with me. <laughs> <laughs> Call it even. Um, Duck baseball. Pow! <laughs> um, that's what I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, 
Uh, first, I guess I have to ask you why why James Earl Jones? I don't know. Okay. We we you know we we have this category where we plug in a, a different name every time, and um, I just, James Earl Jones. I mean, I love the guy. Right. Uh, he's he's a legend, and he I don't you know I don't really have any rhyme or reason why. Sometimes we do have rhyme or reason why we plug them in because we legitimately think they would be a great addition. There was no rhyme or reason behind this one. James Earl Jones just popped into my head you know the clock was winding down for us to get going on this pod tonight and uh <laughs> i was like fuck it you know james Ross Jones, let's, baby. Let's, just, <laughs> let, let, let's just let's just roll with it and see what happens so that's where we are all right well here we go i am going to say that this movie is worse with james Earl jones um <laughs> That guy is much of a. He's got no business being in this movie. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's got none at all. I, totally I mean, there's, agree. there's nowhere. I tried. I was like, okay, maybe he could be like one of the executive producers of a show, uh, yeah. whether it's Taxi or something else, or you know, he's part of uh, part of NBC. Um, but I, there's, I no, I can't, I can't. Yeah. I, I was in that same boat. Either someone like that or maybe even like Andy's father. Kind of like a, just like a, you know, um, a friendly giant type of character. Maybe not even friendly. Just like this kind of this hovering figure, this like authority figure almost or like a motivator in some way. Um, I don't know. I just I couldn't think of it. I could see, you know, in the beginning of the movie when Andy's dad is like, no audience, no performance. Like, I can maybe kind of say that. Andy. (laughs) If there's no performance, you cannot perform. (laughs) So like something like, or or like, yeah, kind of, as you said, one of the executives, but no, unfortunately no James Earl Jones in here. I'm sorry. That that was a bad pick. I mean, it was, but we'll, we'll get him in there somewhere. I mean, I feel like you've had worse though. Um, I, I, d- I don't remember. That, I feel like this might be the worst. There was there was one previous one. I'll have to go back into the library. But uh, no, this one was interesting. It was fun. Though. It was a good conversation. I'm glad we had it. Very good conversation. Um, <laughs> moving on. It's time for some trivia. So I have three questions here. Um, All right. I'll, I'll start off with my first and then uh, go over to you. So let's do it. Um, I think actually all these are pretty tough, but. The first one, where does Andy say he's from? Huh. Hmm. And it's when George, I think he, so he says that a couple times. Well, he he went with this bit quite a bit in real life, but I think he only says it once in this film, and it's when George approaches him for the first time and says, oh, you know, I hear you're uh, Lithuanian, and he corrects him. He says, actually, I'm blank. Oh, well, he says he's from some, like, some island, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's starts not, with, it starts with a C. It does. I don't know. It's Caspia. Caspia. Because <laughs> uh, it was sunk. Uh, <laughs> it's in the Caspian Sea, but it was sunk. Right. It's no longer there. <laughs> oh, I was on the tip. My I knew it started with a C. Yeah, you got close. I'll give you That's partial good. credit. All right, you got me. I have, I have five questions, so I feel like I'm a, I feel like I might get you with oh, one of these. Go. All right. Um. 
this is my favorite one, but I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask it first because I love this. Uh, what was the what wrestling championship did Andy hold? What what was the name of the title that he held, like the championship title that he held? You know, so there's like the heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah. Like, what was like the championship that Andy held in wrestling? Oh, I have no idea. Super lightweight or something? It was the intergender championship. <laughs> was it really? That's yeah. amazing. It was so funny. I didn't pick up on that. That's incredible. <laughs> the intergender championship. Because <laughs> he only fought women. That's, that's it was absurd. So good. It was so good. Oh, that's funny. That is good. Damn. I'm I'm really I'm really bummed I didn't pick up on that. That's funny. I um, love that. Where does Andy Kaufman work as a busboy? Um, it's some deli. Is it like jet like uh Joey's deli? Oh, it's so close. It's called Jerry's famous deli. Ah. Uh, I'm gonna give you another half point because you're I mean right, you're right there point, on half these. Point. Half point. All right. I'll take it. Um, so when Andy wanted to show the, like, have his little, like, um, ventriloquist skit on TV and he wanted to have, like, it looked like the TV was broken, uh, what was the final time that Andy and the studio agreed on that they would actually air that on live television? How long would that go for? 10 seconds. There you go. It's like 10 seconds is all I ever wanted anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Great negotiating great. skills, by They're the way. Really but, good, yeah. Um, all right, my next question, my last one, is actually pretty similar, uh, you know, along the same lines. But I'm asking for you to give me two demands that Andy Kaufman has in order to do the sitcom to to do Taxi. Oh. All right, I got this. Um, so one of them is, um, yes, okay. So Tony Clifton needs to be in four episodes. Yes. And then the other one is uh, Andy needs to do 90 minutes of meditation before each episode. Yes, that is right on. There's, there's, I think there were more. One other one I there picked up on more, was... Yeah. Um, Those are the only two I remember. He'll only be in half the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Um, and then there's one other one. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on it, but... But well done. That's a full point. There you go. I'll give you two, actually, because you got both right. All right. I'll take it. Um, So when Andy uh, reads at the university, when he reads The Great Gatsby in the British accent, what university is he at? Oh, shit. Um, is it something tech? It is not. It's something state. Cal State? I don't know. What is Arizona it? State. Oh, oh no. Yes. Fuck. Because then, like, the next scene yeah, is... Yeah, he's like, you is, go to Arizona State? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yep. Damn. Read to James Harden in the audience there. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Well uh, done. And then uh, my final question for you, Adam, <clears throat> is um, how much did Andy pay each of the prostitutes to help him come and just kill taxi when they did like the whole setup when he walked in with them and he was being tony clifton he paid each of them a certain amount of money how much did he pay them he offered 300 but they countered with 500 so he paid him 500 yes great job yeah i'm a a numbers guy (laughs) 
That was a good trivia round. No, that was. Especially for us just watching the movie about an hour before this podcast. <laughs> I know. That was great. We both did pretty well. That's good. I mean, that's why, because it's, it's just so fresh in the brain. That's true. So, that's true. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break, Adam. Then we'll dive into the final segment. Today's episode of Butterless Popcorn is brought to you by the Open Face Trash Can. We all know the worst part about throwing away our garbage, having to pick up the lid. If you've never understood why trash cans have a lid, you're not alone. Are you going to lift the lid up with your fingers and risk getting yesterday's mustard on your hands? Yuck. Or how about using the foot latch to pop open the lid? That rarely works. So switch to the open face trash can. You'll get all of the benefits of a trash can with none of the hassle. And that's not all. The open face trash can's patented design allows for constant airflow, so you never have to worry about having a smelly trash can. The cage-free stench is now free to roam around the house. Talk about a two-for-one. So next time you throw away your popcorn because there's too much butter on it, try using an open-faced trash can. Garbage made simple. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn, where we're talking about Man on the Moon. Final segment here. Adam, the next question is plot what-ifs. What do you have? I'm assuming this might have popped into your head, but... What if the cancer was all an act? So my what if is is kind of similar, but it's not that, thankfully. Um, what if the cancer was all an act? Oh, man. Um, like, what are the repercussions? Like, are there repercussions? Um, do people, well, like, chalk it up as Andy being Andy or what? So are you saying, like, if he faked his death and we found out? Or if, like... He says he has the he says he has cancer and then he's like, nope, just kidding. Yeah, and then he gets like hit by a bus, like or something. <clears throat> Dies. But, yeah. Um yeah. I think it would have been too much. I think Bob and, and Lynn and George would have been like, Andy, you crossed the line, bud. Yeah. Not cool, man. Not yeah. cool. <laughs> not not cool. Uh I've been I Bob would probably be the only of the three to stand by him. I feel like Bob's for sure the most loyal yeah, to Andy. Yeah. Um, he's his best friend. But yeah, I, I don't think they would have taken it lightly at all. So Yeah, George George and Lynn definitely would have been like, dude. Go fuck yourself. No, yeah. we actually care about you. Um But I feel that. Yeah, there's there's a line. Everyone's got a line and that I'd say that crosses it about hundred percent of the time. Yeah. So Kind of similar, but uh, I'm kind of stemming away from the movie a little bit. So kind of an illegal, an illegal what if here. Um, what if Andy Kaufman were still alive today? Like what sort of career would he have had? Would he currently have? Because he would only be, I think he'd only be like 70 years old. So like still doing stuff. I mean, how would we view him today? What if Andy Kaufman was still alive today? That's actually a really good question. I like that. I like that you posed that because it's tough because he was so unique. So you don't think like that kind of uh, that that type of act is going to die. You know, there's always there's always going to be some kind of need for it, I would think. But um, to what degree? I don't know. And it's like I'm trying to think of who's like him. Um, I don't know. And I can't think of anyone there is one actually comparison um not in the way that they perform 
but in the way that they kind of conduct themselves. And that's actually Larry David. What? And the reason I the reason I say that is because they both you never know if they're acting. <laughs> um like that's the only reason. Like Larry Larry has been on talk shows before and they've been like or or done interviews rather and and they've asked and they're like are you like are you acting right now like are, are you legit and he like doesn't really give like an answer and it's like kind of similar um i mean they're nothing alike except for that but um that's all to say i think there's room for someone that's like always on kind of like andy kaufman was um i don't think he'd be like a big star though yeah i i don't either i i think he would be like a, a successful entertainer for sure uh but almost to the like point where he had um a very niche or cult following. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah, like he wouldn't I don't think he would have become some Larry David or this like global icon cuz that's just not really who he was. He appealed to a, like a very specific group of people. Um and a lot of people didn't like him. So I I still think he would kind of have that I I feel like he would kind of have that similar you know, facade about him where that, like, that's just who he is. He would yeah. be performing at, you know, he would play some big shows. I feel like he'd be the kind of guy where let's say he was alive today, still 70 years old. You know, if we found out he was coming to Chicago in a, in a non pandemic time, like he, you know, maybe he'd play a show at Zany's and call it a night, <laughs> you know, yeah. like he's not a, he's not a all state arena United center kind of performer. No. It's just like not who he is. I, I think too, if I think back to like the comedies of the last, you know, 15, 20 years, let's say, and you know what it kind of takes for it to be good. There's like a couple blueprints, I think. So like one, you need to have like a duo, like Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn, or like a couple people, uh, or, or a group of guys that work well together. So like Judd Apatow type movies, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously it's a completely different generation, but I think like that type of comedy is like really hot, really strong right now. There was a stupid era of comedy that he might have been able to like slide into, maybe like early two thousands or something. You know, that was mm-hmm. that was pretty good. But yeah, I think it'd be tough for him to really carve out like a a broad, um, you know, mainstream role. Agreed, hundred uh, percent. No, that's interesting. I wish uh, I wish it were the case, but unfortunately, we yeah. we can't answer that. Um, one thing we could answer, though, is, Brett, if you could redo the movie in a completely different genre, what would you choose? Uh, buckle up your seatbelt here, Adam. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm excited for this one. So I have a, a suspense thriller. Uh, so Andy Kaufman is a successful entertainer, comedian, dancer. But he doesn't like to, to label himself there, I guess. Uh, he hates working on the sitcom Taxi. He despises it, but it's how he makes most of his money, and they love him on it. Um, so Andy teams up with a friend of his, Bob, and Bob has dreamt of being an actor since he was a kid. It's all he's wanted to do, and he's kind of jealous of Andy in a way. Uh, so Bob agrees to play Andy's Tony Clifton character for the four episodes that Andy agrees for Tony to get on because Andy just doesn't want to be there. So he's like, you know what? You're gonna, but you're gonna play Tony this time. They think it's me, so it's all good, and you're just gonna perfect the impersonation. So Bob does it, and he loves it. 
But Bob starts to become obsessed with Tony Clifton. Yes. And soon is in Tony Clifton character outside of the show. So he's just hanging out with Andy, walking around, acting like he's Tony Clifton, calling himself Tony. And it becomes a little more intense, and he soon begins to take on and impersonate Andy. And he starts to dress up like Andy. He starts to walk and talk and act like Andy. And he even starts to go to taxi rehearsals as Andy. And Bob starts to begin to think that he is Andy Kaufman and that the success is his. So Andy needs to put a stop to this at all costs before it's too late. And so, what, Joe Pesci puts a hit on him or what? what? <laughs> I mean, come on, what happened? You can't leave me like hey, that. Hey, Bobby boy, you better stop <laughs> fucking around. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Is that the second time Joe Pesci hit has come up? I feel like we, we mentioned that maybe on a previous spot. But, um, Probably. That's awesome. I, I really like that. I'm a, that's really interesting. So he like he like absorbs the character. And he just becomes yeah. more and more like Andy. Um, yeah. That's fascinating. I like it. I would like that one. I, I, I kind of want to gl- make that one. Now, yeah, so. I'm glad I buckled up my seatbelt because um, yes. that was a well, wild I'm ride. I'm intrigued to hear what you have now, though. So mine's a lot more shallow. So one thing I was thinking about doing was just making it a magician movie and just turning it exactly into The Prestige where you have Borden. <laughs> And you have Bob and um, Bob and Andy are, are both Borden, and they'd be it's like they're the double, the Tony Clifton. That's honestly, double. it's not too different from mine. Uh, no, I know that's that, that kind of made me think of that. But um, anyway, the one I ultimately went with was a spy movie, and I just put that Andy is a Lithu- Lithuanian spy, <laughs> but he goes by the name of Tony Clifton in the U.S. <laughs> And he just tries to infiltrate the the entertainment business, get all of the dirt on like the top execs and everything, and report back to Lithuania so they can you know launch some kind of uh, like cybercrime campaign against them. And uh, but his real identity is Andy, and he's just some Lithuanian dude. What an ass! <laughs> Scumbag. Yeah. yeah, biggest asshole. <laughs> Not Andy, but Lithuanian Andy. Lithuanian Andy, yeah. <laughs> I like it. That's pretty funny. Um, a couple questions left here. So, Adam, uh, Mount Rushmore, this is a big one. Um, you know, does Man on the Moon make the route Mount Rushmore for anyone involved with the film? And, uh, you know, let's, let's switch off some people here. So give me give me one person here. The first one I have is Courtney Love. You know, we haven't talked a lot about her, really, but... Um, and she didn't have a huge role and she wasn't in the movie for the, probably the first half or so, you know, she wasn't around, but, um, I really liked her role and I put yes, uh, mainly because I don't know if I've really actually seen anything else with her in it, but, um, I really enjoyed her, her performance. I thought, you know, you, you felt, uh, you felt a lot when you went, there was like, she brought the emotion um, where it felt like Andy didn't have any at times. So uh, I was a fan. Yeah, she's really good. Uh, I, you know, she was, I mean, she's mainly like a musician. I mean, she was married oh, to right. Kurt Cobain and like, 
So I, you know, she was in, she's done TV and movies, but uh, this is the only thing I've really seen her in too. Uh, I know she was also in, this is actually really funny. So you know how there are always like movies that you've heard of? You've heard the titles so many times, but you've never actually seen the movie or you have no idea what it's about. Yeah. So she was in a movie called The People versus Larry Flint. <laughs> and I and I have heard that title like Are you sure you're not thinking about life. The People versus OJ Simpson? Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and she played she plays uh what um Goldman or Golden um no um, Nicole. What's his name? Nicole, yes. Sorry, Nicole Simpson, who Ron Goldman has <laughs> an affair with. No. But like I've heard of this movie, The People versus Larry Flint, my whole life, and I just like have no idea what it's about. I think Woody Harrelson's in it. Um, nice. But she was in that, and then she was also in the show. Did you ever hear of the FX show Sons of Anarchy? Yeah, yeah, I've never seen that, but I know she's in that too. So, but um, this Man on the Moon, great performance. So I agree with you there. So is is The People versus Larry Flint the new Man on the Moon for you now? Like that's the movie that in thirty years you're just gonna be like, all right, fine, fuck it, I'm gonna watch it. Well, I don't have someone breathing down my neck telling me that I need to watch <laughs> it like I had with you. So unless. Unless you or someone else who I'm good friends with is like, dude, you gotta watch this movie. <laughs> Probably not. I can't wait till it comes up. You're gonna lose your shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is really funny. Uh, I'm gonna take over and talk about Milos Forman now. And uh, I'm gonna say this probably slides into his Mount Rushmore. I mean, he won the Academy Award for Best Director twice for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and for Amadeus, which are both amazing movies. He also directed The People vs. Larry Flint. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> we, we gotta watch it. <laughs> he also directed The People vs. Larry Flint. No idea what it's about. Uh, it must be a popular movie. And Man on the Moon. I mean, this movie is really good. And, uh, you know, I know we've been praising... Jim Carrey's performance, Danny DeVito's performance, uh, some of the cinematography, but like the direction in this movie is 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 just really good. Um, it's 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 wonderful. So I I say yes for Milos Forman. Um, I'm with you. I put yes too, and and for the same things, I I would venture to say that um, Larry Flint is probably the biggest asshole in The People versus Larry Flint. He must. I mean. Uh, or the people are just horrible to this man. Yeah, I mean that's true. It could be the the entire group of people, aka uh, the country. <laughs> they could all be the assholes. Uh, we just we won't know. Oh, it's kind of funny. You know how we were talking about before we get we started recording how like we shoot an April Fool's podcast of like a shitty movie. <laughs> is, is this the one? It might need to be the people versus Larry Flint. Well, we'll we have, have some... to confirm it's a bad movie though because. I don't know if it is a bad movie. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It might be. But I, I am down to do a movie that we have uh, just absolutely no idea what uh, what it is. Um, it could be fun. All right. Carry us on. Uh, next one on is Danny DeVito. Um, Danny D. I'm, I'm kind of struggling with this one, to be honest with you. This is hard. His, his performance is really good. Um, but I would never think of Danny DeVito... In this movie, you know, like if, if I'm going Danny DeVito, there's man on the moon is, is not there. I didn't even remember that he was in this movie. Yeah, I don't he's know. Fantastic. I mean, he's, he's great in it. He's really good. Um, but like he has been really good in a lot of things. Like I have I I, I kind I have this right on the outside 
So I have, uh, I, I, well, actually, I don't know. I guess the, so this is kind of hard, but so Batman returns when he's the penguin. Yep. He's really good in that. Uh, I think my favorite performance of his ever is Matilda. Have mm-hmm. you seen Matilda? Yep. He's yep. so good in that. Uh, he's really, he's really funny in, uh, twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger where him and Arnold Schwarzenegger play twin brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it, but it sounds like a hoot. It's, it's pretty funny. And then, so here's where I kind of came to a crossroads. So man on the moon, we usually, you know, top four movies. Yes. And I know it's not a movie, but like people know him from it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Agreed. So like, I feel like. It's always sunny for Danny DeVito takes up at least like two spots on like his Mount Rushmore bracket. It's just like that's my struggle as well. He, you know, he had a lot of successful. He had a, a very successful run with film in like, you know, Matilda in the nineties, Man on the Moon in the nineties, Batman Returns in the nineties. He was also in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in nineteen seventy five. So like, he's had a great career in film, but since like. You know, when did It's Always Sunny start? Like, in the early 2000s? Early, mid-2000s? Like, he has been... That's what people have known him for for the last 20, almost 20 years now. And I feel like that's become his iconic thing. So, I'm going to say slightly no for Man on the Moon with Danny DeVito because of that. I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, his Always Sunny... Have you watched all of the Always Sunny? I haven't watched... I haven't watched all of it. I've watched a lot of it. Uh, not You've probably watched more than I have, but I, I, he's he's just fucking hilarious. In he's that. He, he's he's incredible. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's it's well deserved to be on that Mount Rushmore for him because yeah, he's so funny in that. So, so no for Devito. Uh, next up, I'm gonna take Pauly G, Pauly Giamatti, Pauly Giamatti, Giamatti. Uh, I said yes. Um, but this was actually kind of hard. I really like Paul Giamatti a lot. So. Uh, my favorite performance of his is uh, Sideways. I don't know if you've seen that one. I haven't. Uh, he's really good in it. Uh, Cinderella Man, he's awesome in that. About uh, Jim Braddock, the boxer, and he's his trainer. Really great. And I think he got nominated for an Oscar for that. So that's great. I fucking love him in Big Fat Liar. <laughs> Do you remember Big Fat Liar? With Frankie Muniz and Amanda Bynes. Oh, my God. Wow. I I do remember, but I, I couldn't tell you a thing about that movie right now. Frankie Muniz is like this middle schooler or high schooler or whatever. And he uh, writes a, he has to like write a, a story for class. Okay. And he's like on his way to class one day. And like this guy, this rich prick in a limo, who's this like Hollywood producer, like hits him on his bike and he ends up giving him a ride to school. And Frankie Muniz like forgets the script in the limo. And so, Paul Giamatti, who plays this guy, like steals the script and like turns it into a movie. And Frankie Muniz is like, "That's my, that's my fucking story. Like he stole my story." I love that movie. So, okay, so that's I'm saying Paulie yes to G, that. Yeah. And then, and then, so, so those were three. And it came down to, ironically, two Jim Carrey movies too: Man on the Moon, which I gave it to him because the other one I was, I said, and I think you're gonna like this one. Do you remember him in the Truman Show? No. So he is. So in the Truman Show, 
he is so Ed Wood, who's like the the man behind the, the at all, like he's yeah. the guy like uh, operating the controls and stuff up top. Yeah, he is Ed Wood's assistant. So like no. when Ed when 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 Ed, rem, like the scene when Ed Wood is when when uh, Truman's like on the water and they try to like make a storm that like tops him over. Yeah, he's like, like I'm, we're like we're trying. There's not much <laughs> we could do. Like we're really going for it. Like it, basically all those scenes when Ed Wood is like, make it worse, make it worse, make him go yeah. back. And he's like, there's nothing we could do. That's him. That's Paul Giamatti. That's Paul Giamatti. I love that guy. Wow. So, I love him in that, but just because I mean he is really good in the Man on the Moon and he has like a legit role, so I went, I said yes and put him in there. But it was yeah, funny to you got to do that's that. hilarious. I uh, I actually forgot to put Paul Giamatti on here. I think I just was was replacing him with Chris Elliott, and then I forgot um, that he was actually in this movie. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I I will echo what you said, and I will defer to your your Rushmore for him. Um, uh, so does Man on the Moon make the Mount Rushmore for Chris Elliott? it's close i mean you know he wasn't in there but (laughs) but it's close could have been because it would have been hilarious um so i mean the last one i have is the big one it's jim carrey yep um so i put yes and you know really hard it was really tough really hard but i have like it's just a really nice balanced portfolio of jim carrey here so I know you're not a huge fan, but Ace Ventura, to me, that's Jim Carrey. Like, um, his quirkiness, his his physical comedy, all of that stuff, it all comes together in Ace Ventura. And um, absolutely love it. Pet Detective. Uh, looking for Ray Finkel. How, how many of those of are there? I feel like three of them. There's When Nature Calls, Pet Detective. Is there? No, I think there is. I, I, I can't remember the other. Um the other one I have Bruce Almighty. You really have Bruce Almighty in there. I do. Um, so I here's the thing. I didn't go off of the movies and how good they are. I went off of um like their legacy or their roles and their performances okay. and in Bruce Almighty to me is like another one of like just Jim Carrey. That's what I think of. Um although now that I'm thinking about it. How do I not have Dumb and Dumber on yeah, this? Yeah, I, I don't know what the hell you're talking about there because you need <laughs> Dumb and Dumber on there. I, I, I so okay, Bruce Almighty's gone. I'm cracking, <laughs> you're cracking on the Mount Rushmore, Adam. I'm Your putting, Mount Rushmore is collapsing. Yeah, there was a big earthquake under Bruce Almighty. He's gone. Dumb and Dumber. Okay, Lloyd Lloyd Christmas is back up there. Yes, put some um, shrimp on the barbie. Yeah. <laughs> That's a that's a no. I, I don't know why I did that. That was stupid. Oh, anyway, that that big gulps thing you sent me the other day on Twitter, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. That he was completely so funny. improvised it. Completely improvised. That's incredible. It. That's incredible. And that's one of the most iconic lines from the movie. That's so funny. We got to do that. Movie yeah, we got to do that. I um, love that movie. Wow, fuck me for not putting that one in there. Anyway, yeah, it's asshole. in there. Um, Truman Show and then Man on the Moon. So I got a nice little balance there. You got dumb and you've got serious roles, but good good portfolio so uh, i had th- uh three out of those four um but i did have man on the moon in there just because i honestly think this might be like you know jim carrey is it, it's really cool to see him take on some 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 serious roles i mean we know him as this ace ventura the mask this like quirky physical comedy dude um 
but he's all he's able to take on roles like the Truman Show and Man on the Moon. And I don't know if you've seen Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind. That movie is really good too. Um, he's able to do that, and he does it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, some of those got to go in there too. I also love him on uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. He's fantastic as the Grinch. But uh, so I kind of went with a combination of like what I, what I love him in, but also kind of what he like legacy wise, what he's known for. So I ended up going with the mask, dumb and dumber Truman show man on the moon. Like what I think, I think the mask and dumb and dumber are kind of his defining ones. Not Bruce almighty. Definitely not Bruce almighty <laughs> hundred million percent. Not Bruce almighty. Um, so you did not, not put Ace Ventura in there. I, I mean, I don't know. It's I'm biased because I'm not a huge Ace Ventura guy, but like if if you can plug it in and I'm not going to argue with you because I know that that was a big fran- that was a good franchise and like that was really successful for him. So like I'm not going to tell you you're wrong if you have Ace Ventura in. Um but like it's also hard to debate against The Mask and Dumb and Dumber and right. Truman Show and Man on the Moon. So I it's it's really hard. No, Un- underratedly like super strong career for Jim. We forgot Curry. forgot liar liar too. Yeah, I was I was waiting for you to yeah. mention that one. I love that movie. It's okay. I'm not a huge fan. Oh, it's a feel good movie. It is a feel good. the The end is very feel good. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a good one. Uh, the disagree. claw or whatever is that? That's wrong. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, okay. Last question. What is Man on the Moon's legacy? So two aspects here. One, I just talked about it no more than 40 seconds ago. Uh, just, uh, you know, Jim Carrey's range as an actor. It really is. I mean, that he's able to take on not just like a... Actually, in Man on the Moon specifically, he combines a lot of his physical comedy and outrageous yes. humor with like a legit, serious, uh, poignant acting performance. It's a, it's a combination of, of all of his skills. And it's I the think perfect it, role for him. Yeah, I think I, I really I think it might be his best performance as an actor because it combines all of those. Um, so that and then number two, um, just you know, the misunderstood genius of Andy Kaufman. Um, you know, we were saying earlier, like he was never, he probably wasn't on pace to be this this global star, this global icon. Um, but he had he had carved out a you know a specific role in the comedy world and this movie just you know if it wasn't for this movie i think that would even that would be even smaller cuz a lot of people probably saw this movie and had no idea who this guy was i mean again i said like i knew who he was but i didn't really know a ton about him before seeing this movie so um yeah just you know informing the masses about a misunderstood genius and then the performance of Jim Carrey's career, I'll say it. So those are the two lasting legacies for this movie for me. I don't have much to add. Those are the the same ones I have. Um, I, Jim Carrey showing off his range. Um, you know, I, I bring that up quite a bit, but I, I really respect it. Um, but yeah, Andy Kaufman is the legacy. That's the intention of this movie, and, and they do it perfectly. And... You know, it, it's just crazy how how well he's portrayed. There are some, um, you know, historical discrepancies 
you could call them, uh, based on the timing of when things unfold in this film compared to when they actually unfolded. Um, you know, it's a minor changes and edits that they made to the script but that's going to happen all the time with these you know these movies they're never going to be like completely spot on and they need to edit for for cinema cinematic purposes but um i think you said it best you know highlighting the the misunderstood nature of andy kaufman and the unique sense of comedy and showmanship that he brought um really on a daily basis is something that i wish that i was able to witness um, but fortunately I'm at least able to do it through this film. So I will take that and I will keep it with me and I will bug someone else to watch this movie. Um, that's another legacy is that you finally watched this fucking film. So I'm happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> that is a legacy. Yeah. I've now seen man on the moon. Wow. That's weird to say. That's big. Next is the people versus Larry Flint. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I don't, I don't know if I'll go that far quite yet. Someday. Maybe, maybe someday. Um, yeah, I'm really happy I watched this though, though. It was, I really enjoyed it. Like I know I said it was slightly too long, but, um, and I stand by that. Um, but it was, I really enjoyed this pretty much from start to, to finish. It was it's such a, it's, it's, it's weird. I didn't expect it to be as weird as it was. And I really liked that it was weird. Yeah, I knew you, you know? would, man. I knew you would 10 years ago, and I knew you would now. All right, I think our friendship arc has just been completed, so uh, yeah, I, I bid so you too. adieu, and, and I think that's that's it, because now that you've watched this, I've got nothing else to pressure you on. I will find something within the coming <laughs> days. So, uh, Adam, this was awesome. Excited for the next episode. Listeners, thanks once again, as always. And uh, if this is either at the end of 2020 or the beginning of 2021 when you're listening. Happy New Year. So take care.